0: Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Do you see how,
1: how when Paul says that this is the word of life, that seeing this way gives you life, that in a world where circumstances often beat us down and make us doubt, that seeing through this lens again helps us to see there is life. And it is found in Him. It helps us see the world as we ought. And when we see the world as we ought, what flows out of our mouths is in line with that.
0: love to complain. It may be over the actions of others or the way the world seems bent against us. If we really want to, there's no shortage of material to fuel our grumbling. As Pastor Ricky continues to lead us through Paul's letter to the Philippians, we're reminded of what our speech should sound like as believers. Complaining doesn't belong in that speech. No matter how bad it may seem, we can view it as an opportunity to rely on and glorify Christ despite the circumstances. Let's join Pastor Ricky for part two of his message, Speak to Shine, from the book of Philippians, chapter two. Daniel is holding out this picture that at the end of the age,
1: everyone will see clearly and uh, beautifully the shining brightness of righteousness. And you think, well, we're not there yet, though. I don't see the day of the Lord. Well, Paul says, exactly, exactly. What Paul is saying is that when we use our speech well, when we imitate God, when we point to the reality of God, we are giving a glimpse of that future day today, right? The the day when all righteousness will shine out perfectly is being glimpsed when we with our speech speak words of brightness and lightness and that reflect God. In, this is theologically profound. In the simple realities of everyday speech, we have an opportunity to testify to the brightness of the last day today, right? That is what Paul is saying, and that's amazing. What an opportunity. So, what, what does this look like? Well, what's the opposite of grumbling? It is gratefulness and contentment. Gratefulness and contentment. It moves us from a self focus to a God focus. Look at all the gratefulness that Paul is expressing in this letter to the Philippians. He is modeling exactly what he's telling them to do. Despite the fact that he's in prison, he is full of thankfulness. He can't even begin the letter without saying, I thank my God for you every time I remember you, right? He is overflowing with thankfulness. And you think, what is up with this guy And according to this picture, that's exactly what we're meant to think. This guy is so radical and so out there and so strange according to the culture around us. There must be something different about him. That's exactly what gratefulness does. And contentment, Paul will tell us later that he knows the secret of contentment, that whatever God has provided, knowing it's from God's hand, allows Paul to be content. I remember a a pastor friend of mine named Mark who told me about a lady in his congregation and she had very severe health issues. I believe, if I remember right, she'd lost a spouse tragically and uh, often struggled to hide her tears on Sundays. And so she wore sunglasses to church. But when someone at church would ask her how she was doing, she would say this, God is good all the time. And that was her response Sunday after Sunday, After Sunday, she had so much to complain about in many ways, but she didn't. And it wasn't as though she wasn't experiencing real sorrow, right? She expressed that. It wasn't like she's just trying to turn a blind eye to the hard realities of life, but she instead chose to use her speech to shine a bright light out into a dark world. So my question is this, what are you displaying with your speech? Our speech should be, in a a way, whispering to the world around us, there is something better out there. There is a truer and deeper reality than our world knows. That's what our speech should be doing. Third point, see differently. Maybe you're like me and you're thinking, okay, I'd love to be where Paul is, but I am not where Paul is (laughs) this morning. So how do I get there? Well, Paul talks like this because he sees differently. Verse 16, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So Paul is holding fast to the word of life. That is the lens through which he sees the world. I love that phrase, holding fast to the word of life. I get the picture of like, you know, when you see those movies where somebody's out at sea and there's a tempest raging around them and the deck is like going, just wobbling back and forth and people are like clinging to the mast or something, right, that's the picture I get when he's talking about holding fast to the word of life. The Bible gives us the true way of seeing the world. The more we are immersed in it, the more it shapes our sight and the more we will have this perspective because the world with all of its calculations and views of what's around us does all those calculations and sees everything without God. And seeing through the lens of the Bible helps us to add God back into our perspective so that we view circumstances rightly. We're ready to complain and grumble, but then the Bible holds out to us verses like this. It shows us the God who works for those who wait for him, Isaiah 64.4. Shows us the God who withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly, Psalm 84.11. The God who pursues us with goodness and mercy all our days, Psalm 23, 6. The God who works all things together for the good of those who love him, Romans 8, 28. The God who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all so that we surely, so surely he will give us all things with him, Romans 8, 32. The God through whom we can do all things, Philippians 4, 13. The God who supplies all our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 19. The God who will help us, us and strengthen us and hold us up by the right hand of his righteousness, Isaiah 41.10. The God who will never leave us or forsake us so that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Hebrews 13.5 and 6. The God who will complete in me the work he has begun, Philippians 1.16. And the God in whose presence is fullness of joy and at whose right hand our pleasures forevermore, Psalm 16, 11. Friends, do you see how, how when Paul says that this is the word of life, that seeing this way gives you life, that in a world where circumstances often beat us down and make us doubt, that seeing through this lens again helps us to see there is life. And it is found in him. It helps us see the world as we ought. And when we see the world as we ought, what flows out of our mouths is in line with that. That list I'm gonna put up on the blog this afternoon, it's a list from John Piper, and he has a blog post that goes, I encourage you, man, if you're struggling in this area of grumbling, struggling to see, grab those verses this afternoon. Meditate on them this week. But ask yourself, are you clinging to the word of God is your perspective being shaped by the word of God or is it being shaped by the world around you? Do you see what the world sees or do you see better because of the Bible? And then there's a second thing that Paul sees that shapes his perspective on life. He says, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Paul is saying he wants them to shine as light so that on the last day, When Jesus returns, he can be proud of them, right? So Paul's perspective on his situation and their situation is shaped by looking ahead to the day of Christ, right? Adding that to the equation changes everything. I wanna give you an illustration from John Newton, but I took the liberty of updating it for modern times, okay? Um, Because some of John's language is about carriages and things I thought may not apply um, today. Imagine this, imagine you receive a letter that you have to go to Silver City, New Mexico to pick up some documents in a safe deposit box. On the way there, your air conditioning goes out in your car halfway through the trip. Then your car starts making a weird sound, a rattling sound and putters to a halt. You pull off to the road, whip out your cell phone only to find you have no cell service. So you start walking down the road, people ignoring you, Finally, you get cell service. You get a tow truck to pick you up and arrive in town to get to the safe deposit box. And your default through this whole process is to complain, right? Unbelievable. My car's dead. My, I have to go to this stupid deposit box. This, I'm getting you know, towed by this weird truck driver living, listening to Pavarotti or something and talking about his life story. This is unbelievable. Except what if I didn't tell you everything. What if the letter you received said that your long lost great uncle died and left you his multi-million dollar estate complete with oil rich territory and houses across the United States and all you need to do is get the documents from his safe deposit box, right? If that is true, then it changes your perspective on everything, right? Your air conditioning goes out, you're like, whatever, I can buy a new air conditioning system. The car dies, you just leave it. I don't need that one, I will get another one, right? Tow truck driver, you're thinking, you know what? Thank you, buddy, I'm gonna, take this 100 bucks. I just, I'm so happy that we connected, thank you. You know, like it changes your perspective on everything because you know where you are headed, right? And as long as you're getting there, everything's gonna be okay. And so Paul is evaluating his circumstances and the circumstances of the Philippians by looking ahead to the day of Christ. He's thinking, this isn't all there is, right? He's already told us to live as Christ, to die is gain. What's the worst they can do? Kill me, send me to Jesus, to my future mansion? That's fine, right? That is fine with me. I have to stay here because I want to serve you guys. But listen, if I could go now, I would. This is his perspective and it's completely changed by beholding the day of Christ. And when we begin to see things that way, it changes everything. It changes our view of God because if this life is not all there is, if God is working for our eternal good, then some of what God does, we will only see in fullness when we have the perspective on that day, when our tears are wiped away, when evil is forever destroyed, when we can see in perfect clarity, God was good all the time. And it changes our view of the world around us. We, we grow to see the people around us as being in desperate need of the light of the gospel for the sake of their eternity and the sake of their eternal souls. So we begin to think, you know what, it might feel good to complain about this, but if in this moment I can display something so radically countercultural that it makes an impact on this person, then let me do that and it changes our view of our words it sobers us as we consider that we will give an account for every word we speak and it encourages us to see the immense opportunity we have to live and speak right now so here's the core change that the new site make, having a new site makes it takes us from a self-focus to a god-focus It moves us from seeing only the things right in front of us to seeing the whole sweep of the redemptive history and all that God is doing and the perspective of that last day through the lens of the Bible and and that changes everything for us. So how often, friends, do you view your current circumstances through the lens of the day of Christ? The more, here's the thing, I think the more we see that day, the more grateful and content we will be today. And the less we see that day, the more grumbly and disputy we will get, (laughs) right? So let's do that together. Fourth point, last point, live differently. We've been in a progression where Paul gives us an action. He says, don't grumble. He shows us that it has an effect, which is shining the light. He helps us see how to get that perspective by seeing differently. But he ends by showing us how this radically different perspective changes everything in life, just gives us a totally different posture toward all of life. Verse 17, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Now you might think, okay, well, that must be good, right? Being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. But in the ancient world, here's what happened. When a sacrifice was offered at an altar, right? You'd have blood or incense or something. Here'd be the altar and you would take it and you would just pour it out, right? And that would be like, it would go like that. And so Paul is saying, that's me. I'm the thing. What's he talking about? His death, (laughs) okay? He's saying, listen, even if I die on the altar of your faith, and, and what I mean by that is, even if I die to encourage you to persevere in Jesus to the end, I'm happy. Like, Who thinks that way? And then he goes further and says, likewise, you guys should also be happy with me. And you think, okay, this this guy, what is going on with this guy? See, what Paul is, is doing is showing that our speech is just one way we should be different, but our whole lives should be different. Our whole perspective on life should be different. When we hold fast to the word of life, when we look forward to the day of Christ, it produces immense, unstoppable joy. And then out of that joy, we will not complain, but instead express constant thankfulness and contentment. Okay? So just listen to how this works. New sight produces joy in our hearts that is unstoppable, and that joy produces a change in our speech. So you get the equation, right? If your speech is wrong, go all the way back to what you're looking at and think, am I seeing the way Paul sees? And if you are, you should begin to experience, not perfectly, not fully, but truly the joy of the Lord in any and every circumstance. And from there, it will overflow into gratefulness and contentment rather than grumbling and disputing. So just ask yourself, how are you doing overall? Is there a presence of joy in your life. And if not, maybe check what you're looking at. First of all, I want to talk to anybody that may not be a Christian here because I do need to make something super, super clear, especially with a message like this. All this stuff makes absolutely no sense if you just see Christianity as a moral code, right? If if you take this and what you get out of the message and you walk out is like, okay, you know what? I should complain less. That was a good inspirational word, right? That is like the opposite of what I want you to get because of this. Um, That is only possible and true because there is a real God who has really changed our lives and really can change our hearts to produce something different. See, what the world can do is try to do some external behavior modification to make life less painful and get you to ignore the hard stuff. What Christianity holds out is the offer to see the world as it is by adding God back into the equation so you see everything clearly. Now, at first that comes with some super bad news, which as I referenced earlier means that every single word you have said or thought from the beginning of your life are being cataloged and judged, and one day you will receive a bill in eternity for those things. And listen, friends, I mean, we're joking about this on some level, but there's some things I, I never wanna have brought up that I have said or thought. If we, just, if we just put on our record everything that we've said or thought, we would all be condemned. And yet, Paul is holding out to us a better way. This is a man who persecuted and killed Christians and did everything he could to be an enemy of Jesus and now is full of joy. And how did he get there? By believing in Christ. By saying, listen, I can't stand up to God on that last day with my words, but Jesus Christ's record is perfect and he offered himself in my place. So in a sense, we switch records. So he dies for my sins so that I receive the benefits of all that he has won. And when you get that, friends, you begin to see why Paul is so unshakably joyful despite any and every circumstance. And what, this, what I hope is held out to you today is the reality of that last day, but the offer of Christ to believe in him. And to not receive what you deserve, but receive what Christ deserved instead. And what you must do then to receive it is to have faith and believe in him that he is the son of God, that he died for your sins and commit to follow him. And you today can have new life. That's what I hope you get. Not, hey, have a good moral code like us. That's the last thing. We're a bunch of people that are broken and messed up and somehow radically saved by the grace of God, trying to tell other people, hey, are you broken and messed up? I have some great news to tell you, all right? Now, for Christians, though, I just want to wrap this up um, with a few principles. I'm trying to boil this down to just a few principles. Um, and these are sort of just summations, but I hope it will help stick with you this week, okay? First... Let's not let grumbling and disputing become respectable sins in the family of God. Uh, sometimes we in Christian circles can fake, you know, do fake gasps at things like oh, adultery, you know, or like oh, outbursts of anger, right? But meanwhile, things like envy and, and, and grumbling, we think, oh, we'll just give them a pass. They're not. We're just blowing off some steam. We're just processing. We're just talking Friends, this is serious. The Bible takes it seriously, and so should we. It affects us, our hearts. It affects the people around us. And so I want to challenge you today to ask, if you're married, ask your spouse how you are doing in the area of grumbling and disputing. Or ask your kids. Or if you don't have kids or spouse, ask a friend that knows you. Not the friend you see like every once in a while that thinks you're really nice, the friend that really knows you. Second, take seriously the effects of these things on the church body. There are few things that wear down a church body faster than grumbling and disputing. Look, we are all stuck in this car together called church on the way to heaven, and people are gonna get grumpy. We're gonna get low on snacks, somebody's gonna forget to go to the bathroom, make us stop again. We need to plan to forbear in love, to overlook in love and to shine to one another as well. Third, let's not give our words on screens a pass. We have a terrible culture of treating words on a screen differently than words in real life. And they're easy to type or send because the, per- the face of the person is not in front of us, right? It sometimes feels good to type out a cathartic text or email like, ha. right? Because we don't have to look at the person receiving and reading it. Those are included. I'm sure if Paul were here, he would say, this applies especially to Facebook or Instagram or your text message strings, right? Fourth, be strategic in shining your light. In places where you're encountering people who don't know Jesus, be strategic about using your speech to shine a light, Think of what could be accomplished if at your office, if the culture is complaining and bad-mouthing and grumbling, you thanked people constantly and had an unshakable joy, right? How different in a good way would that be? And so be strategic about those areas. And last, hold tight to the Bible and the day of Christ. Um, I really believe long-term effects of a message like this are only going to be Found if we continue to see with new eyes through the lens of the Bible. And so this is not the beginning of the year where you start the Bible reading plan, and you're like, I'm gonna do it. This is March, where we're like, ooh, it didn't go so great in February. It's okay. Jump back in, read the Bible and learn to see with new eyes.
0: Hoping God, oh my soul, he is strong. We're so glad that you tuned in today to Better News Radio for Pastor Ricky's study through the happiest book in the Bible. We hope you've been encouraged by what you heard today and that Jesus' joy is filling you up. If you ever find that you have any questions or would like to share a prayer request with us, please give us a call at 915-562-7100. We love that we can pray for our listeners, so don't hesitate. That phone number again is 915-562-7100, or you can email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. We'd also like to invite you to visit our website, betternewsradio.com. There you can listen to today's message again, or search through our archive of previous teachings by Pastor Ricky. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to receive the latest messages as soon as they're available. Pastor Ricky has created an introduction video for our website visitors, telling you about the gospel message and why it's vital for the world today. Watch it online and find out more about the ministry of Better News Radio at betternewsradio.com. While we'd love to spend more time with you today, sadly, that brings us to our conclusion. We'd like to encourage you to read ahead in the book of Philippians and let the Holy Spirit guide your own time of study. He might just reveal something you never would have caught before, Thanks for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again to hear more from Pastor Ricky right here on Better News Radio.